Hi, this is Etta Dale Hornsteiner, and welcome to Live Living's Transformational Connection, the place where you experience how to reconnect your body, mind, and spirit to God. Today, I'm going to be talking with Steve Brown. Steve Brown is the radio host and author of Hidden Agendas, Dropping the Mask That Keep Us Apart. Wow, what a buck, Steve. For someone who has, who's been a pastor for 25 years and you have a degree in philosophy and religion and also um, a degree from Boston University School of Theology as well, um, this is an interesting book for someone to write. <laughs> well, I couldn't have written it except I'm old. When you're old, you, uh, you, I have a friend who works with our ministry who uh, is a programming guru for contemporary Christian stations. And uh, we were working together one day, and I got frustrated and walked out and ended up apologizing. When I came back, he said, you know, I've got you figured. I said, no, you don't. And he said, oh, yes, I do. I said, okay, tell me about me. He said, you don't care. You just don't give a rip. And I said, that's not true. And then I thought about it, and uh, there's some truth to that. I, um, You know, at my age, and I'm old as dirt, uh, I'm not looking for another church or another wife. I've, I'm the boss of my company. I don't. Uh, I have enough money to pay the mortgage, and I and I have enough money to take my wife out to dinner. So I really don't care. That's why people ought to read this book because <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't have a thing. So I can. So in other words, you're saying that age has given you a certain amount of freedom. Yeah, it really does. It's really? Uh, it, and they're not good. There are not a lot of good things about age. Somebody has said that old people are already uh, irritated about being old, so it takes very little to take them off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I, but yeah, there really is. What John said about me uh, I mean, about not caring. You? You're, you're making it sound like you're a dinosaur age or something. I am. I'm old. I'm. Uh, what do you I'm call still, old? I'm, what? Well, I'm 75. That's old. Well, not that I don't old sound now, old. Your voice certainly does not sound old at all. Well, God has been gracious with His voice, but I. But I'm in good health and I'm doing well. But I also am, in a sense, cramming for finals. So I could. I said in this book that I have often said that everybody who writes a spiritual book ought to confess their sins in the first chapter, and then I would listen. <laughs> then I would listen to the rest of the stuff they wrote. Well, okay, I so, just so, do I, I have did to confess that. my sins on this. Interview? No, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, wow. So I thought, I actually thought, well, something must have happened when you were a pastor. You've been a pastor for 25 years. 
And so he's no longer pastoring. So he probably says, okay, I'm just sick and tired of the church or whatever. I'm going to write. <laughs> I'm tired of these pretentious, hypocritical people, you know, that wear their plastic smiles and they, they, they don't care, you know, about, you know, living a pure life. I'm just going to just tell them like it is. I thought it was something like that. It wasn't? Uh, n- n- no, because I'm one of those people. You know, who was it that said he didn't want to be a part of a club that would accept him as a member? So, actually, and I don't know why, but I really do love the church. And and you talk about a screwed-up bunch of people. It really is. In fact, theologically speaking, when somebody joins the church, they're announcing... Ed, I have a friend in Nashville. His name is Ray Ortland. has a Ph.D., and he's a wonderful pastor and a scholar. And He went through some a couple of really bad experiences with churches, went through a period of depression, and, and he and some friends decided to go to the worst area of Nashville and to, and to, to start a church that would accept people that no other church would accept. <laughs> so he wow. did that. Well, let me tell you about his church. Uh, it's become a mega church. The thing has exploded. And he invited me up a couple of months ago to do a grace conference. And on Sunday morning, before I spoke, he opened the worship service with these words. He said, if you're marginalized... If you sinned and you think God's through with you, if you are needy, if you doubt sometimes, if sometimes you're afraid and lonely, if sometimes you wonder if God cares about you, Jesus says, welcome, you're in the right place. Is that cool or what? Yeah, that is cool. I love that. that I did great. too. I, I just thought that was wonderful. and. That's what the church ought to be at, but we're so often not. We're so busy trying to pretend to each other that we're wonderful. And uh, and I decided I'm not going to do that anymore. And besides that, Jesus likes me a lot. <laughs> In fact, he likes, he, likes, <laughs> he likes me more than he likes you. No, I, somebody sent me a T-shirt that says on the front, Jesus likes me, and on the back it says, and 10% more than he likes you. <laughs> oh, that's cute. But, but Etta, the point, the point of the book is that, that God's not angry. Uh, we think he is, and we know that we've done things that weren't right. We have secrets we can't tell anybody. We wear masks. And, and the, the, the truth of the Christian faith, when it's properly understood, is that God says, I've taken care of all of that, and I'm not angry at you, so you come here. And I just want to tell people that. Do you feel that um, somehow... We, because I think we all wear masks pretty much yeah. these days. That religion somehow has, you know, created this mask for us to hide behind. Made it. Yes, so true. 
Edda, that's a profound question, and you're absolutely right. You and I both know that there's something about religion that'll make you weird. <laughs> you, you know, we we get to church and everybody is smiling and they seem so nice, and we think to ourselves, you know, I I shouldn't be here. I don't belong. When in fact they're as screwed up as you are, and if somebody would just say that the emperor doesn't have any clothes. We might get free, and uh, and church could become what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be at a a soft place for people like you and me. But as you know, it's it's not. <laughs> you said it's supposed yeah, that's to be a soft. Yeah, S O F T. Yeah, S O F T and safe S A F E place. But you know, the one place where there's so much dishonesty, and God help me, I love the church and I'm a part of it, but the one place where we're the most dishonest is when we go to church. And that ought to be the one place where we're the most authentic and the most real, where we can stand up and say, I, I'm, I'm not what you think I am. And I'm not a good person. And they would say, well, you found the right place. Welcome to the club. But we don't. Um, and so people who don't believe they can live up to it. People, Etta, people are always saying to me, Reverend, I'm going to show you the real world. And the truth is I see more of the real world in a week than most people see in a lifetime. I've cleaned up after more suicides and buried more babies and listened to more confessions than you can possibly imagine. And and the truth is, and the Bible teaches this, it doesn't have a very high anthropology. It says people are sinful, they're needy, they need to be loved, um, and and the very thing that keeps us from those things is a false kind of religion. So what are we, what should we do? Um, <laughs> go you know, offend somebody. I, I, <laughs> I said, go and offend somebody. Tell them the truth. <laughs> well, and then you see the real person, right? <laughs> yes, that's um, so true. And let me tell you something, Meta. When you do that, uh, there'll be a couple of people who will be angry at you and shocked. But everybody else, 90% of the people, will rise up and call you blessed. And they will say, you too. I never thought that about you. And, Etta, you and I do the same thing. We're both on the air and, you know, we're public figures. And everybody thinks we've got it together. And we don't, any more than anybody else. I have my friend, uh, Fred Smith, who, was, uh, who died four or five years ago, and I miss him a lot. But he used to go around and ask men, listen, if you were arrested for drunken driving and your name was in the paper on Sunday morning, would you go to church? And they say, no, I don't think so. I think I'd let it settle down a little bit. And Fred would laugh and say, that's like a man 
who gets hit by a car, and they come from the hospital, and they say, and the man says, "You don't take me to the hospital. Look what a mess I am. Let me go home and get cleaned up and bandaged up, and then I'll come to the hospital. And then Fred would laugh and say, isn't that silly? Uh, the church should be a hospital for people like you and people like me who are human, who mess things up, who sometimes say stupid things. Um, and and it's not. So I wrote this book to say, all right, let's quit playing games. I'm screwed up, and you are too. Do you think we can be friends? And it's amazing at uh, how many people say, you too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they, right, you give them permission. You basically free them and give them permission to be themselves. Uh, but I'm just wondering if, if we want idols, and so we don't want the truth. We want to keep people perhaps on a pedestal. Um, we want to idolize them. And so we don't want to know the truth as well about people. We don't, you know what I mean? So we don't encourage people to be real because we want to idolize them. If they are no longer, oh. we don't divinize them anymore, then they are ordinary like us. And that's not what we want, right? We want celebrities in churches. And if that is so profound, you amaze me. I haven't been asked that question, by the way. And I've done a lot of these interviews. But let me let me just say, that is so right. I one time, when I was a young pastor, decided I wasn't going to sit in the big pulpit chair up on the platform, but I was going to sit with my family. And when I came forward, I'd come up to speak, and the singers would do the same thing. I got a petition, which incidentally I tore up and threw in the trash can, but the people wanted... They wanted what you just said. They wanted me to sit in the pulpit chair to be the authority figure, to be the celebrity that people could look up to. And I said, I'm not going to play that game. I'm just, and when I said that, I freed myself up. For the first time, I could laugh and dance. I didn't have to pretend. Let me tell you something. I, um, I know a lot of people who write books and who are Christian celebrities, who are singers and well-known and thought highly of. And I want you to know they're all as screwed up as you are and as screwed up as I am. And it is a freeing thing when we're willing to say so. But but you're right. We want we want our celebrities, and we want our heroes. And uh, one of the really funny things is the way the Bible is written. Do you know the whole Jewish Christian thing was started by a con game? The, our founding father Abraham lied about his wife said she was his sister so she could sleep with the king. We we lift up Esther. She was a seductress. And you got David, who's a murderer, and then then you got Jeremiah the prophet who was a weenie. He was scared of his own shadow. And when you move into the New Testament it doesn't get any better. 
You've got Peter who's denying Jesus, and Paul says later on that Peter's a hypocrite. And the, and it goes on. The, the, the two major figures of the early church were so mad at each other they couldn't work together. And I sometimes say to God, what are you doing? We need heroes. And he says, no, you don't. You need truth. And so I'm going to tell you the truth so you'll be free. And that's what the Bible does. It's not a book of nice, wonderful people doing nice, wonderful things. It's a book with stories of people who are even worse than we are. And uh, I decided I was going to say that in this book. And so we, so I thank you for writing this book. And hopefully we don't have to wait until we're in our 70s to enjoy the freedom <laughs> you're enjoying right now. Um, so yeah. in this book, you make a distinction between agenda and wearing a, having an agenda and wearing a mask. What is yeah. the difference between the two? Well, an agenda is what you do to get from here to there, and the mask is a part of your toolbox to get there. An agenda is what we want. A mask is what we use to get there. So if I'm a, a, a bank robber, I wear a mask so nobody will see who I am so I can rob the bank and get away with it. But in other ways, we wear political masks. We wear social masks. We wear, um, we wear religious masks that we've been talking about. All of the, and it's not all bad, by the way, Eva. Masks are necessary. The guy I quoted before, my mentor, said, nothing will destroy a friendship faster than the inappropriate, ill-timed removal of a mask. I have a chapter in the book called Ugliness in a Nudist Colony. I do a talk show on about 180 stations and, and uh we had a comedy writer who found a Christian nudist colony. <laughs> and we thought it would be a funny bit to send a couple of our guys to that nudist colony to do interviews. And their wives wouldn't let them go unless they took their wives, so they did. <laughs> and it really was funny. But the thing they said that was the most salient, the most intriguing, is that they said that when they were there, it was amazing how ugly people are without clothes. Well, that's true with masks, too. You know, I, I, we live in a culture of social media when there are hardly any secrets. And there ought to be secrets. I mean, we ought to have one or two people before whom we can be totally honest. But in most places, you got to be careful. Etta, I you want you're a great interviewer. You ask profound things, and you're thoughtful. And you told me before we went on the air that you like my voice, and I told you I was good looking. So we both like each other, <laughs> but we're not safe for each other. Etta, I, we don't know each other well enough for you to tell me all your secrets or me to tell you all my secrets. And if we live closer, we might. But you got to be careful out there. You got to be careful in the church. You got to be careful where you share your story, 
but you should always be honest and authentic about who you are. I can say to you, Etta, we haven't known each other for me to tell you all my secrets, but I want you to know I've got them, and I'm not a nice person, and I've done some things I'm so ashamed of, and I have secrets that I can't tell. Once I say that to you, I've said something very important to you, and that is that we can walk together because we're the same. Well, I, I thank you so much for clarifying that because, I, you know, I wondered about that, um, that how authentic can you be if you do not feel comfortable, you know, being transparent. Yeah. You know, that's the word we hear often, and we hear the word being vulnerable as well. And, and yet you're saying that you have to be careful who oh, we yes. share these secrets with, who we reveal completely ourselves to. And so I, I'm glad you clarified that because that does make sense. So you're not saying that, you know, I'm perfect. I have no, no skeletons in the closet. That's not what you're saying. No, I'm the only one perfect. I'm ordained. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I thought I was perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just you and me, but I do worry about you sometimes. <laughs> oh, man, I do have a story about that perf- perfect perfection, you know, thing. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm glad you clarified that. That is important um, because we we know that a part of being human, fully human, we have to almost learn what that means and what that yeah, is. We because really do. We are flawed beings, but it seems as if I know in growing up, I've grown up in a Christian home, I've grown up in church, uh-huh. but it's always seemed as if um, I've never really, to be honest, I've never truthfully understood until recently that I'm learning what it is to be fully human. A Christian yeah. who is fully human because I think I grew up with the impression, oh, it means, you know, Jesus took away all your sins, forget about the past, you're now <laughs> on your road, um, everything is wonderful, you know, I wouldn't go as far as saying perfect, but some Etta, you begin to think you're perfect in some ways. That's right. They lied to us. That's just not true. And it's so, isn't it wonderful when you find out that it's all right to be human? Right. That that when when you say Jesus took my sins, it's not just a song. It. I, I wrote a book before this one that was called Three Free Sins. And and uh, it came from that talk show I was telling you about. If if people called, I gave them three free sins. And one lady went ballistic. She said, I like this talk show, but that makes me angry. And I said, all right, I'll give you four free sins. And she that made her madder. And then she and and then finally the producer got on the air and said, lady, get a life. Steve can't give free sins. The truth is that we have been forgiven. The most important message of the church ought to be, I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've done, what you're smoking, what you're drinking, who you've hurt, uh, you're forgiven. 
And if that's true, then we're free. And I don't have anything to protect anymore. I don't have to pretend anymore. And, you know, I've got some good things about me. And I've got some things that are not so good, just like everybody else. And I don't have to pretend anymore. And it's so freeing. I can't tell you. And you're learning that too, Etta. And it is good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is, yes, it is. Um, in your book, when you talk about um, wearing the mask, why do you think that we feel that we should wear the mask? Uh, there's a chapter in the book called The Devil's Trinity, and it's about fear and shame and guilt. And those three things are the reasons we don't dare tell people who we are. Because if they knew we're afraid, it's a lie, it's not true. But we're afraid if that we would be shamed. Uh, our guilt is so bad that we think we'd be kicked out. And our fear of those things is so big. So we go around doing our best to be nice so we'll be liked and accepted and acceptable and not shamed. And the truth is that authenticity uh, does just the opposite. If you're a Christian and you know you're forgiven, there's something winsome and beautiful about being honest. And you find out that you're not rejected. In fact, just the I have preachers that we have, uh, a, we have over 5,000 pastors on our mailing list. <clears throat> and by the way, if you want to, go to keylife.org to find out something about what we do. But, but we have, pastors tell me all the time, Steve, that's you. I can't say the things that you say. If I said them, they would fire me. And I say to them, no, somebody lied to you. They would rise up and call you blessed. And, the one, and some people would be angry and leave the church. And you ought to get a bottle of champagne and celebrate when they do. But the normal person will rise up and call you blessed. Do you feel that um, wearing a mask can be physically, mentally, and spiritually unhealthy then? Oh, yeah. It, it, uh, yes, absolutely. I, one of the things I talk about in that book is uh, I'd been a pastor for 25 years, and the wheels started coming off my wagon. Etta, if you've got a deep voice and you are have a glib tongue, you can hide your pain, and I was. But it came I, one night at midnight. I just fell apart, and I said, "Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so phony. I can't stand myself." From Buddy Green, the Nashville recording artist, and and peculiar people who do drama for us. And we've done it all over the country. And it's called Born Free. <clears throat> In fact, a number of years ago, I wrote a book called Born Free. But what happened to me is exactly 
what happens to all you spend a lifetime pretending to be something you're not and that's hard work and that'll get to you and it is so wonderful i like me a lot better than i did before wow so this, these are your best years and that's what you're saying you yep wow do you, let me ask you this this is somewhat connected to do you think like all of this that's going on with racism in our community and and the violence and the anger that you know people say well um it's always been we've always been a racist society or community racism has always been there it's never left us do you think that people are just being themselves now or freeing up and so they're expressing their anger or you know what is it that's going on well, there's some of that. Um, again, people are not nice. They do bad things. But the only way we get better is to admit it and say, I'm sorry. And we're not free to do that. I, I have friends who are racist. Uh, and and I tell them, you know, you know what you're saying and doing is wrong. And by the way, they're both black friends and white friends, and they know it. I say, why don't you just say, I'm sorry, and get free? And this book, in a, in a secondary way, can allow the anger and the hatred and the division that we're experiencing in our culture, and it's really bad to be ameliorated as people get honest with one another. Etta, it's all about fear. We're afraid of other people. We're afraid of people who are different than we are. And the only way to get free, and I don't want to be too religious, is to run to Jesus and get loved when you don't deserve it. But how can you, you know, there are some people who may say, well, the church is the most segregated place still, um, and you're saying run to Jesus and be loved. Yep. That's when we become less segregated. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, love in response to goodness is not love. It's reward. The only way you can experience real love is when you don't deserve it. And it's amazing. That's at the very heart of the Christian faith. And when one, and I'll tell you another principle, you can't love until you've been loved, and you can only love to the degree to which you've been loved. And that's what the Christian faith is about. And it's become something far different than that. And that's sad. I, you know, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it, because I know that our problems are big. I know that the hatred is awful. I know that we're killing each other, literally and figuratively, and you can't just wave a magic wand and say, Jesus loves me, this I know. But there is a sense in which the people you see who are the most angry. For instance, Etta, I know we're not talking about politics, but I am very right-wing. I'm so conservative, I think Rush Limbaugh's a communist. And, 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 
And but in the middle of that, Etta, I'm not angry. I have more friends. Tony Campolo, who's the liberal uh, great speaker, is my best friend. And we don't agree on anything but Jesus. We did a television show out of New York for a year every week called Hashing It Out. And the thing that and we fought about every issue can, you can imagine. I called Tony my uh, pinko commie friend, and he calls me his right-wing uh, reactionary friend. And we're both bald. And he used to say, I wouldn't say it because I'm ordained, but Tony would say we could put our heads together and moon America. But the thing we heard more than anything else, it was on the Odyssey Network across the country, was that people, they would laugh and say, I don't know why, but you guys really love each other, don't you? Yeah, we really do. And and I don't want to be superficial or simplistic about it, but that starts with being loved when you don't deserve it. And that ought to be what the church is all about. Right. I think the expression I heard you say is to love, to love the unlovely. Yep. It doesn't look good, it's ugly, but you have to be able to love. Yes, person. because we're ugly. Yeah, because we've been loved. Right. Well, Etta... I'll tell you, you are great at this. Wow, for coming from you, that I that's a real compliment. I thank you very <laughs> much. I do appreciate it. I have one last question for you, okay. and then we're going to wrap this up. You hear nowadays, just do you. But how do you find the space to just be yourself? And I think you somewhat mentioned this with your friend, but what does that mean for a Christian or a believer to just do you? Well, but, you know, it, there's still those parameters, you know. There's still oh, yeah, you've got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah, and I wrote a chapter on that, as I said. But you, I think it's just, and I hate the word authentic. It's overused, but that's what it means. It it means being authentic. You know, you get Frank Sinatra singing, I Gotta Be Me. And, and I think, oh, well, the me that I gotta be is not very pretty. Uh so what they say is what they're suggesting at the me is really a nice, wonderful, pure, uh, beautiful person. Well, we're not. I'm not, and you're not, and nobody else is. And and being authentic is is being real about that. Saying, look, I got some good parts, and I got some bad parts. I'm, I often say to people that it's God's joke that He puts this voice in this body, and he thinks it's funny, and I don't think it's funny. <laughs> but, you know, I've got some good, I have a wonderful voice, but I, I'm i lacking in the looks uh, area. <laughs> but deeper than that, I have some places in me where I love people, where I'm honest, where I'm doing the right thing. And sometimes when I lie and when I don't do things the right way, and being honest about that, in the way we've been talking about as we've talked, is a very freeing thing. Wow. Well, I think we all need to read this book. And so I'm going to ask you, you know, just 
I'm going to give you a shameless plug just to say whatever you want to say, you want to leave with our listening audience, whatever you want to leave with them, you can go ahead and do so. Um, I just would say, if you're human, I'd say what my friend Ray said, if you're human, if you've done some things you're not proud of and you think God is angry at you, if you if you are needy, if sometimes you're lonely and sometimes you doubt, um, run to Jesus. You're you're like the rest of us, and He'll love you. And um, you want to tell them you mentioned your website, KeyLife.org. Oh, yes. It's KeyLife, K-E-Y-L-I-F-E dot org. And you can get the book at Barnes & Noble and bookstores and Amazon. And if they don't sell it, don't patronize that store. It's not a good store. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is called, again, Hidden Agendas, Dropping the Masks That Keep Us Apart. Etta, you're great. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Steve.